Have you ever wondered about life's biggest questions? Like, why am I here? What happens when we die? Or what else is out there? Well, we have, and we love to talk about it. And if you're listening, we think you probably do too. I'm Robin. And I'm Karen. And we've spent our lives searching for those answers. And we're seekers just like you. We'll be talking to some of the most fascinating spiritual teachers, healers, and scientists and showing you how you can use some of their spiritual practices for yourself. We'll also be sharing stories of other seekers to motivate you to live your fullest life. And we'll be translating it all so the spiritual stuff won't feel so out there. So if you're curious, get ready to rediscover why we're here together. When we last talked to Vanessa, she introduced us to her daughter, Elle, the warrior soul that came into this world with a knowing that she was here with a painful mission ahead. She trusted Vanessa to be her guide and person while here on earth, but she never felt at home here. By the age of four, she was expressing her experiences with the supernatural and shortly after started to capture it with words and poetry that were well beyond her years. At 12 years old, she was diagnosed with the most painful condition known to humans humans, complex regional pain syndrome, which feels like you're being burned alive 24-7. Over the course of the next three years, as the condition worsened, she battled and battled and battled, and she documented all of it. She wanted her story to be told and her pain to be realized. With an understanding of what was going on with her body, but with no cure in sight and pain that wouldn't relent, Elle took her own life on July 22nd, 2018. Vanessa captures this story of facing unimaginable pain, loving unconditionally, the power of words, and life after death in her just published book, Ravens and Rainbows. It is her journey and it is Elle's journey. The book is broken up into three distinct parts, before, during, and after. Each part is critical to the journey. In the first conversation with Vanessa, you heard about the before and the during. Today, we'll be talking about the after. Elle continues to be a force just from the other side in a different realm and where she considers it her home. The experiences that have happened since her passing and that continue to happen will both astonish you and help you see that you can have a relationship that transcends this earth. We have the absolutely fierce and brilliant Vanessa Lynn back and you'll meet Amy Eisenberg and spiritual medium Lisa Nitzkin. And you know me, we're all important parts of the after. We call ourselves the original spirit squad. We had actually named ourselves that soon after Elle passed away. I love that name so much that I've used it to describe the Seeking with Robin Spirit Squad as well, which Lisa is a part of. Surely Elle will be here as well, as she was before and always is. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this and to continue to let Elle into your world. I feel like there's a lot of people who've already been so touched by your story and her story. To now kind of like watch and and be with Elle as I'm seeing her life life's purpose come to fruition is just, it's indescribable. And we're so grateful to be a part of it. And I would love to start with you and Amy. Can you tell everybody how you guys know each other and what was your relationship prior to Elle's passing? So Vanessa and I, we knew each other actually growing up from high school. Can you just fill us all in really quickly on something that everyone should know about Vanessa from high school? Valedictorian? Yes. <laughs> <I just> say- <laughs> Sorry, because I know she never seen my claim. Right. To fame. Yes, she was. Okay, thank Please. you. Duly note that. That's why yes. she's a genius. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> 
Anyway, so during the preschool years, she and I reconnected. Along that path, when she and I started developing a friendship, I had lost my grandfather, who was someone very close to me. And I randomly, once on a walk, mentioned to her how I started getting like into spirituality. And she said, my daughter, at a young age, you know, was seeing her great-grandmother and describing her in great detail. And I was so shocked by this, but it felt like such validation for me at that point in my spiritual journey. I kept thinking, how would a three-year-old make this up? So obviously for me, it was like an aha moment of this does exist, like how I'm feeling. I just read a book that someone recommended to me after my grandfather passed called Many Lives, Many Masters. So I was really curious and that began my journey spiritually. And so, so over the course of the years, we would meet for a walk, for coffee, always stayed in touch. And then obviously when things weren't going well with Elle, you talked about it a lot along the course of her journey. And then what happened on the day that Elle passed away? So it's actually very bizarre. With the day that Elle passed away, I was actually talking about her. My family lived near Vanessa and I was in the kitchen talking to my sister-in-law about Elle and using that same story. I repeated that story. I never used Elle's name, but I repeated the story of, I have a friend who was a child who was three and she was able to identify and talk about her great grandmother who she had never met. You know, people question the spirituality and is it real? And are you making it up? And I was like, I don't know how would she make it up. And so it was always my validation. And I used it in a story that day. And I went to dinner down the road and got a call from my sister-in-law at that moment saying there are ambulances and fire trucks at your friend's house that you were just talking about at Children. Oh my and I, I, do too. Too. I do too. I do too. They're all over my body. And I was, of course, freaking out. And I reached out to Vanessa immediately. I didn't know the exactly what had happened, but I knew something terrible had happened. I don't know, Vanessa, I think it came to your house the following day. I remember July 22nd, the day that Al passed, obviously, this massive family showed up at my house. And I was glad that they were there for each other. And I write about this in the book, but I, you know, all I had space for was to be with Jazz and to be with Al. And the next morning, I remember, Amy, you texted me and you said, I'm coming over to give you a hug. And I had been up in my room and I stood at the top of my staircase and I saw you like this angel standing at the bottom of my staircase, my front doors glass and so the sun was like behind your head like this halo I'm not kidding and I came downstairs and we gave each other this hug and we were crying together and it sounds like okay well yeah your friend came over and gave you a hug but it was such a connected moment and the week that she died the week as we were leading up to her memorial service there were a million decisions that had to be made there were a million people coming in and out of the house I really didn't want to talk to any of them and Amy was the one who just was on my wavelength she made it bearable and she made the unbearable but I'm going to cry. She made the <laughs> and sprung into action, planning, th- you know, just doing all the things that, that I didn't have the space for without me asking. She just did it. But more than that, it was this incredible energy. And I think about kind of this, this coming full circle. And Amy, you and I have talked about this. Elle, at such a young age, leading Amy to her own understanding of spirituality and then bringing Amy into my life. I mean, Amy had been in my life, but bringing her into my life in this profound, way at that moment in time when I so deeply needed her. And, you know, now I can look back with this clarity of how Elle orchestrated that all along. And really, I believe, handpicked Amy. As we've talked about, Elle was slow to trust. There's a handful of people, even now, she chooses the people she trusts. And she handpicked all of you and handpicked Amy 15 years ago, knowing that this was all going to come full circle. And I have no doubt about that. I agree. I know most people listening or watching don't know Amy, but this is Amy's strong suit, is getting shit done. (laughs) 
in addition to having this tremendous heart, so much compassion, and really being tuned in from a spiritual perspective, she is that person who's going to get all that done when you can't do it. Yeah, she had a couple other friends that were there too. And I just sat at the dining room table and we were like, what, what's happening here? We have to figure this all out. And we did. And we everyone figured it out together. And I do think with Elle, when she was little, we connected with one another in some way along the course of that time. Well, and then can you guys talk about what happened? I think it was the night of the actual funeral. So I'm standing with Vanessa and I'm hugging her to say goodbye. And I'm telling her, I'll come back whenever you need, whatever you need. I, I was heavy and hawing. I'm not going to lie to you because when my grandfather passed away, someone told me this story about dimes and they said, you're going to get dimes in random places. And I'm like, what is she talking about? It sounded so ridiculous to me. But sure enough, after that point, in the most bizarre times, I would get dimes, just one dime. And that was it. So every time someone then passed away, I kind of shared that it helped me so much. It was like when I found a dime, I thought he's with me. He's watching over me. I got into a car accident. And on the passenger side seat after the airbags deployed, there was one dime. It kept happening. And I thought, I'm just going to say it. And so I say to her, listen, you think I'm crazy. And she did. She looked at me (laughs) crazy a little bit. And I said, I just have to tell you this. I feel like she's going to send you dimes. Just keep an eye out for it. What happened? So late that night, it was probably midnight by the time the house had cleared out and Jazz was asleep in her own room. And my sister and I were in Al's room just sitting on her bed. And I look over onto her nightstand where all of her supplements and you know various medications had been. And I look over and, and there was a pill cutter on her nightstand. And remember, she had not left the house in eight months. And under this pill cutter was one dime. And I started laughing and crying. And my sister is sitting next to me like, what is happening right now? And I'm, and I take a picture and I text it to Amy at midnight. And it began so many signs that Elle gives me, but the dimes being one of them. They'll come in waves and then time will go by and I won't get them. And I'll ask and they show up. The day of her anniversary, four of us had been together that day. And that evening I had dinner with a friend of mine who was part of the group that worked with Amy and planning everything for Elle's Memorial. She and I went out to dinner and we go to this restaurant and, and I never pay cash for anything. I always just use a credit card and we sit down and the waitress says, by the way, our credit card machine's broken. So hope you have cash. So we eat and the bill comes and I you know, put cash in the billfold and she comes back with change and she drops the billfold off on the table and she says, oh, by the way, there's two dimes in there waiting for you. Isn't that crazy? And that was kind of the face I made. And I said, of course there are. And <laughs> just out of curiosity, what made you say that? And she said, well, you know, sometimes people don't realize there's change and it falls out. And then she repeated herself. She goes, so I just want you to know there's two dimes waiting for you. And I open it up and sure enough, there's nothing else in the billfold. Two dimes. That's it. Uh, I know. It's crazy. Well, and I think we always say too, in this day and age, who's changed? People aren't really carrying change like they used to. It's not like even, you know, 10 years ago or 15 years ago. It just isn't. And it's not a pile of change. It's one dime. So it's like to get one dime placed somewhere. We had all gotten together again. I don't know if it was right before or right after the anniversary of her passing. We had all been hanging out in my backyard. And I made a comment like, I don't get dime. You guys left and I go upstairs and I'm in my daughter's bedroom and right on the top of her dresser was one dime. I didn't know that. I love that. Oh my God. And I freaked out. I was like, I go, where did this come from? Why, why is there a dime here? 
right? And Bella couldn't tell me. What's amazing is like, I find when I ask for something, she answers. Yes. And so speaking of that, let's talk about some of the other signs that you receive from Al. Obviously, I see rainbows everywhere. I mean, you know, sometimes big, beautiful ones in the sky, but my refrigerator is stainless steel and there's like a wave or something in the stainless steel that I had never noticed before, but it will reflect the light from outside. If I stand in a certain spot, it's always there. So she has found a way to show me a rainbow every single day. I see huge blackbirds and ravens everywhere. Um, But she's really also shown up for me in music, music that, you know, clearly was connected to her during life, you know, as I wrote about in the book, songs that were playing when she was born and lullabies that I would sing to her and songs that would be jokes between the two of us or, or things from her childhood. But, you know, probably what's happened most since her passing kind of, and, and this is what amazes me and that I, I hope people really take to heart in terms of their own lives and, and their own loved ones who may have passed is that the, the things she shows me are not just things from the past, but they're current. And that's been remarkable to me. It, you know, it's one thing if something sparks a memory. And it's another thing when I feel that our relationship is evolving and growing and current and that there's new jokes that we can have with each other or new songs or new connections, right? Not just old ones, but new ones. And that's been extraordinary for me. So a couple of examples, and I mentioned this in the book, but I'll, I'll share it in more detail. Shortly after Elle died, I was talking with my sister and she said, you know, did Elle like Tom Petty? And I was like, I don't know, you know, maybe. And of course, by the way, as an aside, in retrospect, I have like a $4 Tom Petty t-shirt that I wear as a beach cover up. And there's pictures of me and Elle from 2016, 2017, where I'm wearing this shirt. My sister said, well, I love him. And I have this feeling that they're just rocking out together. And he's teaching her how to play guitar and they're just rocking. It was very shortly after her passing. And it was like one of those moments, you know, a quick moment of a smile and lightness, like at this image of the two of them rocking out together. And the next day was the first time that Jazz and I had gone back to Soul Cycle, which was where we had been the day that she passed. And we go into the studio. And if any of you have been there, they're usually playing like heavy beat, like techno, hip hop, right? Like things that you would want to exercise to. And so we, we go into the studio and it's the same instructor that we've been with the day that she passed. And he said, all right, I'm going to change things up a little bit. And he plays a live version of the Tom Petty song called The Waiting is the Hardest Part. And Jazz and I like look at each other. It was just this like beautiful, emotional thing. And I, I went up to him afterwards and introduced myself because he didn't know me at all and shared a little bit of Elle's story and he's crying and I'm crying. And, and I just told him how he brought her energy so close without even realizing it. And since that day, that was September of 2018. So it's been almost two years since that day. And I say this without exaggeration. There is not a day that goes by that my sister or I, usually both of us, don't hear a Tom Petty song. It doesn't matter where I am. I could be in my car. I could be in an airport. I could be in a restaurant. It doesn't matter. There is not a single day that goes by in two years that I've not heard a Tom Petty song. And we know we've been with you. (laughs) And restaurants that are like a sushi restaurant. Not a place where you would hear that kind of music. No. Well, and I think the other part is that the words of the Tom Petty songs, they're so relevant to your story, to Elle's story, to pain, to how she may be feeling now. 
It's absolutely. I mean, it's, and I was never one to listen to lyrics ever. And I will say the other thing that she does is she will, and I've told you some of this, she'll send me random songs. So yeah, I'm sure like many of you, you have your list of Spotify songs that you've downloaded. And every once in a while, maybe it'll like play like, oh, you were just listening to Tom Petty. You might enjoy so-and-so, right? You know, I walk and I'll be walking and I'll be listening to my downloaded Spotify playlist of, of L songs and a random, you know, song that I've never heard of or never downloaded will come on. And it always has extraordinary meaning. And then other times where she's clearly just joking, like there was a day a couple months ago, I'm walking and all of a sudden the old ZZ Top song, She's Got Legs, comes on. She's got legs. She knows how to use them. <laughs> it's not related, not, no offense to, to ZZ Top, but it's not related to music that I would normally be listening to. She still jokes with me. And that's what I mean when I say it's current. It's not just something of the past. And my hope is people listening to this can see that in their own lives. Yeah. And that's the idea of showcasing to people that you, it's a relationship. Right. It's and not just signs. The signs are amazing, but it's bigger than that. It really exactly. is a relationship. It's an ongoing dialogue. So let's talk about meeting Lisa because it's very hard to get a reading with Lisa. It can be. So for those of you that are just now watching this, I am a spiritual medium. I see clients and connect them with their deceased loved ones. And so my job hopefully is to connect all these individuals to their loved ones and let them know that that relationship does not end. I've been doing this work for a long time and Amy and I met a long time ago and we had our own experience with a connection and a reading and we kept in touch through the years. Amy was one of the people that had contacted me when Al passed. And this does happen a lot where people will contact me and say, you have to see this person because they lost their spouse or they lost a love, a very significant loved one or a child. And I'm very clear that I want to make sure the person is actually ready. There's this rawness that happens right after a passing. So I'm very strict about making sure that I don't really see anybody who's lost a significant loved one unless it's at least been a year. And after Elle passed, I had heard so many stories about Vanessa and Elle and that I had to see Vanessa. And there were several people who tried to get me to break my rule. And I was pretty adamant that I wasn't going to and not to hurt her or not to, but I just in my heart felt it wouldn't be the right time. And I distinctly remember talking to Amy and she was one of the last people who really pushed. I'll never forget. I was like, there's something about Elle that you just, you have to connect with her and you need to see Vanessa. And because I trust Amy and I said, okay, okay, I will see her. So we ended up making an appointment and then we wanted to walk and I had already signed up for Lisa's class because this has been like part of my journey. I was so curious. Well, and you know what? We never talked about this, but Amy and I were supposed to take the class that you end up taking and you'll get to that, but we were supposed to take that together earlier that summer. Yes. The class that you're talking about is my intuition and mediumship mentoring program, which is where I help individuals actually find their ability and their knowing and their truth to connect to their higher self and to connect to spirit. Yes. And I remember that Amy and I, we were supposed to take that together. Something happened where you had to postpone and not take the class at that time. But now that we all think about it, that was so on purpose. Yes. So then tell everyone what happened, Amy. I forgot about that, Robin. Right. 
And that you and I, along the entire time in which we've had our relationship, always talked about spirituality. You and I, we kind of like went down this path together. We were each other's soul sisters before we all became the spirit squad. Yes. So Vanessa and I were on a walk and I said, listen, I signed up for this class. You have to have a reading. I think I mentioned Lisa to you on the way out when I was telling you about the dimes too, just saying like, do you know Lisa? You're like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then when we're walking, I said, I'm, I'm signed up for this class. If nothing else, come to, maybe she'll let you, you'll come to the class and like, let's see what happens. So you came with me. Vanessa, then after she signed up for the reading, then I had looked at my schedule and realized she had also signed up for my class. Yes. This was starting that following Monday. You, Vanessa's great with dates. So will you please talk about the timeline of this? I will talk about the timeline. Amy, first of all, let me just say, Amy is the great connector. Amy is the one who connected me to Lisa and to Robin. And like the reason why this original Spirit Squad was created was because of Amy bringing us all together. That just has to be said. So Amy was one of the many voices back in August and September of 2018 saying, Lisa, you need to see this person, Vanessa. And finally, Lisa relented. And we had a date scheduled for October 1st, which was a Monday. That was our private reading date. The Wednesday prior, so five days before on September 26th, Amy and I were walking on the beach and she said, I know you have this reading coming up and I'm signed up for this class and I really think you need to come. Like, I, I think you can't wait five days. I think you need to, and a- Amy can be very emphatic. Um, she's like, I, you know, just, you can't wait till Monday, October 1st. You have to come to this class that is tomorrow, Thursday. And I was on the verge of going back to work and I'm like, you know, I don't know if I can commit to a five-week class. And and I remember Amy said, just come to the first class. The worst that happens is you don't come back. And you actually texted Lisa while we were walking to make sure that it would be okay. And you guys are texting and apparently Lisa, you said, yes, it's fine. She can come to the first class. So Vanessa walks in and I felt like I had known her forever. And we started the class. This is where I think, again, Vanessa is much better at telling this story. So I think there were seven of us in the class. And Lisa, you began by just explaining, you know, kind of what this class was about in terms of helping us get more comfortable with our own intuitive abilities. And you started sharing the story of your own mom and and her passing when you were seven years old and how she's always shown up for you in rainbows and that every major event, birthday, holiday, whatever it is, your mom always shows up in rainbows. And I just kind of stored that information, you know, in the back of my head. Obviously, Elle was very clear with me that she would be in every rainbow, but I didn't want to say anything because I knew we had this reading coming up in a couple of days and I didn't want to bias anything. You finished sharing your story and and the other women in the class did a quick introduction of who they were and what brought them here and what they were hoping to get out of it. And it went around a circle and I happened to be last. I really didn't want to say much about Elle because like I said, I I knew we had this reading. All I said was my daughter passed away and Amy has just been this amazing friend and really thought that it would be good for me to be here. And I I really started talking about my relationship with Amy more so than my relationship with Elle. And as I'm talking, Lisa, you stood up and you started apologizing. You're like, "I'm, I'm so sorry. I don't mean to be rude, but I have to interrupt you because your daughter is yelling so loudly in my ear right now. And she's saying, give my mom the necklace, give my mom the necklace. And you walked over to me. I can like picture it like in slow motion. You walked over to me and while you're walking, you're you know putting your hands behind your neck to unfasten a necklace. And you take this necklace, which I know you probably can't see on the camera, but it's the little gold and crystal rainbow. And you place it on my neck. And you said, I don't know what this means, but your daughter is insisting that I give you this necklace. And she's saying, tell my mom I'm okay. Tell my mom I'm okay. She has to have this necklace. And I want to just add to the power of that because... I am very good with boundaries. And so when I heard that so profoundly, it almost felt like an audible voice 
coming to me because that doesn't often happen that way where it's just so loud. And I'll never forget that feeling. I mean, it's one of the more extraordinary moments of my life, truthfully, of absolute knowing that she was and is here with me and still taking care of me, which I am still conflicted about because I'm the mom and I'm supposed to take care of her and doing it in an extraordinary way. Well, and then you had the reading. And then I had the reading. So let's talk about that. But you, it's like, this was like your preview. Yeah. Three or four days later, like that Monday, I came back for this reading and we sat in Lisa's living room for three hours. I don't often experience such powerful energy as I did with Elle, so much so that I feel like I knew her. I know, I do know her, but I felt like I knew her. I could see her. I knew exactly what she looked like. I could hear her voice. It was so strong and so profound for me as well. Even with my own mother, I don't hear her as strongly as I hear Elle. Every time Vanessa and I get together, Elle's presence is so huge. And knowing Lisa, I know how unusual that is. So Vanessa, what did you get from that initial reading? I got to spend time with my daughter. Yes, you did. Where she was free of pain. And I've said this to Lisa so many times, I I can't ever give to her what she's given to me. And I know it's not a a one for one, but that's what I got. I got to spend three hours with my daughter. It was such a mutual exchange of energy for the both of us. So the connection not only became so strong with Elle and I, it also then became so strong with Vanessa and I. This original spirit squad is one of my very best friendships ever. And Elle made that happen. Well, and don't you think it's like, as we all talk, just to remind everyone how I met Vanessa, I met Vanessa at Amy's daughter's bat mitzvah after Amy kept saying to me, you have to meet my friend Vanessa. And I walked in, the service was about to start. She introduced us, even though we'd kind of met before, it was the first time we really, really met. And it was like, I found another soul sister. And and what all of this to me and everything we're saying with each other, it's like this unlocking of a part of our story. That's what we all have experienced together and throughout. It's a feeling that I like to always call the WTF moment. We can't really explain it, but you know it. And you don't have many of them in your life. First time we all met one another individually, yes. we could talk for hours. And it didn't, it didn't, it was like, oh, you're my family. And yes, I, I may only know you for a minute, but I know we're supposed to know each other. This group, truly, you are a huge force that has gotten me through this past two years. And the fact that Amy's the only one who I knew before and who knew Elle in the flesh. And yet here we are. And that two of the three of you didn't get to know her in life it is is just unbelievable. It really is. And I was just telling you guys before we started, even last night, my husband and I are watching a show and it's a show about survival outside. It's, it's the show called Alone on the History Channel. And out of nowhere, as I was thinking about today and I was preparing for our taping, that was on my mind, but I ha- we had that on as well. There was a contestant on the show he starts repeating the poem, The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe. That pops on. I Jeff was like, Robin, it's the Raven. He said it too. And I was like, I know. So I took a picture of the screen because I, I had to tell you all and show you today because I knew it was Elle. And then she, and then she was like, yep, I'm here. I'm with you. I know you're thinking about it and I'm going to be with you tomorrow. And even last week I had a reading with Lisa and yes, my dad was... Uh, 
very much the force within that reading, but she was right next to him. So just to think about how that threads through all of our relationships, it's extraordinary. It is extraordinary. Can you talk actually about this now? You had the one, I know you're wearing two necklaces right now. Yes. And so can you talk about the second necklace? Because it's a story that I think people should hear. So this necklace, the rainbow that Lisa gave me, maybe a week or or two after she gave it to me, I was walking and I felt the class break. Like I felt it kind of slip and I grabbed it and I put it in my pocket and I finished walking and I made a mental note to bring it into a jewelry store. And so later that afternoon, I was driving by and there's a strip mall near my house. And I thought I had remembered seeing a jewelry store there, but I wasn't sure. I had never been in it. And I was going to the bank in this strip mall and and I drove by and sure enough, there was this store. So I thought, okay, well, you know, I'll pop in. And so I walked in and asked them if they could just fix the clasp. And so they took it, you know, in the back room to do what they needed to do. And I was just window shopping, you know, looking at the diamonds and jewelry, whatever, while they were doing that. And I saw in the display case, a necklace with Elle's full name, just in the display case in black diamonds. And I asked the store owner, I said, can you tell me about this necklace? Did you make it for someone? And she said, no. She said, you know, I had been wanting to do a name for a long time and I never had. And finally, over the summer, I decided to do a name and this name just came to me. I don't know why, but this name just came to me. And at first I did it in white diamonds, but that didn't feel right. And then I did it in black diamonds and it felt right. And I just wanted to do this name. And it was this necklace, which again, I know you can't see on on camera, but it's her full name in black diamonds that was just sitting there waiting for me. And so of course I told her the story about Elle and, you know, she's crying and I'm crying and we're hugging at this point. And this was a couple of weeks before my birthday. And I said, I I think, I think that's my birthday present. And she was so kind. She said, I don't even want you to look at the price. I'm just going to give it to you like at cost, like the cost of materials. And that's it. In black diamonds, which is her. Like that's so her. Yeah. She was like a black diamonds or bust kind of girl. Well, all the synchronicities that lead up to this very day. When it's being open, you know, most people are just not, I think what we hope is that this helps people be open to these signs and where they can lead you and they can come in all forms. I think most people don't realize that. So, no. And I have to tell you, I don't think I've shared this with any of you because I don't think we've had a chance to, to talk since this happened. But when I talk about how current our relationship is and this kind of call response and that Elle doesn't let me sit with questions for very long. After Elle passed, you know, I knew that people would want to make charitable donations. And I discovered the Burning Limb Foundation, which does amazing work in terms of funding treatment for people who have CRPS. The Burning Limb Foundation didn't exist when Elle first became ill. It only started a couple months prior to her passing because their founder himself had had CRPS and thank goodness had recovered or had gone into remission and began this foundation. I didn't know about it. Elle didn't know about it. After she passed, I found it because I really wasn't happy with other kind of organizations and foundations that were out there. And the treatment that they fund is through a clinic in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And there's a doctor there who's doing some really cutting edge work who I never personally met and Elle never personally met, but has come to know Elle's story through the founder of the Burning Room Foundation. They've set up a a memorial grant in Elle's name. It's raised over $100,000. There are multiple young women who have been treated as a result of this fund. And so this doctor who runs the clinic, even though I never knew her and Elle never knew her, really felt this connection to Elle. So when the book came out, Philip, who's the head of the Burning Room Foundation, her name is Dr. Katinka. Philip said, you know, I've sent her the book and she's reading it 
and she really would like to talk to you. Do you mind if I give her your contact information? I said, no, of course, I'd be happy to. And she sent me this just absolutely beautiful email that came as close as anyone could come to really understanding Elle's experience and my experience. And we ended up then talking on the phone the next day. And this this was the remarkable part. So the next day, she, she sent me a text and she said, I was thinking about calling you and I don't want to be intrusive. And so I asked Elle to send me a sign to let me know if I should reach out and call you. In her text, she says, I'm in a loaner car because my car's in the shop. I normally just listen to medical podcasts. I don't listen to the radio, but I'm in this loaner car. And I ask Elle to send me a sign and I turn on the car and it's on a random radio station. And she sends me a screenshot of the Tom Petty song. What happens, Amy, to be American Girl? She sends me this screenshot. She's like, I don't listen to music. And so we spoke that evening. It's kind of haunted her for these years that she didn't get to know Elle and treat her. And had she known Elle, would there have been anything she could have done? And we were having this beautiful conversation. And she said, is there anything you'd like to know medically? And I said, well, yes, there's something I'd like to know, but I don't think anybody has the answer to it. I said, but the question that I ask myself every day is what if, right? Is there anything anyone could have done? Was there any possible way that her body was going to be healed? And I said to her, you know, I, I believe that the answer to that question is no. And she paused and she said, well, that's why I'm calling you. She said, I want you to know I read the book twice. She said, the first time I read it, just to understand Elle and who she was and who she is and understand her story. And she said, the second time I read it with a notebook next to me, Hmm. as if I were her physician. And I tracked the onset of each symptom and the time between onset of new symptoms and the progression of her illness. And she said, and I knew, she said, even the first time I read it, I knew like, okay, this is coming next, then it's going to be lesions, then it's going to be this, that like she knew what was coming. And she said, the reason I'm calling you is because I want you to know in the two years since she's passed, there's been some advances in our understanding of this disease. She said, but at the time, two years ago, had Elle come to see me, I wouldn't have known that. And there would have been nothing that I could have done. And if Elle had waited, if she had somehow been able to stay in her body for another year. And if she had come to see me now, knowing what I know now, her disease would have been too far progressed. And even with the new information I have, it wouldn't have been helpful to her. And she's crying and I'm crying. And she said, I felt like I needed to call you. Now I'm crying. It was just, you know, I think about any parent in this situation, the one question that, you know, can't help but haunt you over and over. For her to reach out was so extraordinary for her and such a gift from Elle. She knew that I needed that question answered and she answered it for me. She did. The one thing I wanted to say before, one of the major turning points in my work and meeting Elle was you were able to say, I feel that Elle is more alive now than she was when she was living. Was probably one of the most important and life-changing words I could ever hear and that I can pass on even to my clients that you are able to know that so well that the relationship doesn't end and that for you to feel her so profoundly so strongly is something that I have been able to learn and I continue to teach all of my now current students, your story and Elle's story so that they can in turn learn and grow and heal from her and you. Thank you. And that's really your purpose too, Vanessa. The strength that you show every day and the fact that you've captured it all in this book and that you're talking to us right now and to everyone listening and watching, you are showing what people can do. And yes, you had such difficult days. And it's not to say you never have them now, but you are able to carry on 
and show everybody that you can have this relationship. For sure, your life's purpose is to show others who've lost loved ones that it's not over. Well, and I mean, Elle's been my greatest teacher since the minute she was born, but Elle's the one who showed me my life's purpose. Yes, she did. She really did. Can you also talk about the story of finding your ring? So on her birthday, which is November 12th, the first birthday after she passed, it was about four months after she passed, I hadn't been able to kind of clean out her room in terms of medication and medical equipment and things like that. I had kind of always said to myself, like, when the time is right, I'll know it. And I found myself late that night after Jazz was in bed, just kind of compelled to go and clean out everything about her sickness. And I was looking through her bathroom vanity. And in the bottom of this drawer in her vanity, like way in the back was a ring of mine that I had when I was in high school. And I hadn't worn it really in 30 years. There was a little yellow sticky note that it was sitting on. And it said, just in case you were wondering, I'm right here. Always have been, always will be. On her birthday. On her birthday. She's just so amazing. It's crazy. One of the questions that we've received at Seeking with Robin is how does Vanessa remember all of this? Valedictorian, <laughs> <laughs> special memory. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <Let's> explain. <laughs> Talk to us about this, please. One of the things that I have been blessed with, I think, is this crazy memory. There's a term for it, but I don't know the term. I remember dates of things that happen and exactly what happened and exactly what the conversation was, kind of like to the word, to the minute, to the date, but it's clearly a gift that was bestowed upon me. I mean, I've had this all my life, but probably something that was given to me for this purpose. Absolutely. I could tell Elle's story. I could do it with a level of specificity. So the, the dialogue that you read in the book is word for word dialogue. It's not paraphrasing. It's not, it's word for word. I mean, texts I was able, you know, obviously to pull the exact text because I can remember specific conversations with Elle down to the word. I wish I had that gift. It's unbelievable. I'm the complete opposite. And it's a gift because her words then stay with me. I can hear them and and it's with me. Her exact conversations are with me. And then let's talk about Elle and all of her advocacy. I know you mentioned the Burning Limb Foundation already. I'd love to hear more about the human rights campaign and then really about Cripple Punk. Even really before she got sick, I think just because of her level of intellect and intuition for people and knowing her own sexuality at such a young age, the sexual abuse that she suffered, right? There was so much life she had lived by the time she was 10 years old that she was already, you know, a fairly outspoken advocate. And then when she became sick, that just grew and grew. And she really became a voice for anyone who who might be marginalized, whether it's through race or sexual identity or disability or socioeconomic status, whatever it was. And she was able to meet these friends through this cripple punk movement group. And I wish I could speak about it more intelligently. You know, I I would say I'm marginally, you know, peripherally um, understanding, but, you know, she was in her room for three years. And so her social lifeline became Tumblr and blogging and podcast, you know, she developed some of her closest bonds with people and really became, not surprisingly, kind of the guru and the healer for other people in that community, all of whom were dealing with some sort of disability or chronic pain, and all of whom were part of the LGBT. LGBTQ community, many of whom don't necessarily have supportive families, supportive emotionally or families that that have the financial means to support someone with chronic illness. I learned this at her memorial when these friends of hers came and showed up and started sharing these stories of one by one, they could name to the date 
this is the day that I'll save my life. And so to hear that is just extraordinary. After she died, there were two organizations that we had asked people who were inclined to make donations to donate to. One, as I mentioned, was Burning Limb, which funds treatment for people who are afflicted with CRPS. They created a grant in Al's name that you know people can still contribute to. In fact, I'll get to HRC in a moment, but this, this is another piece I've not had a chance to tell you. So I had this beautiful conversation with this doctor at this clinic. And the next day, she sent me a text from a 21-year-old young woman who was a recipient of money from Elle's memorial grant. And she sent me this text of a, a handwritten journal entry that this woman wrote one week into her diagnosis. And it was written a year ago. And she writes, it could have been Elle's writing, right? She writes about the pain and being misunderstood and like, how is she going to function? And she doesn't really think she could live like this, but she doesn't feel suicidal. She just doesn't think that one could actually survive this. And then she sent me another screenshot of a journal entry that she wrote one year ago on her 20th birthday. And the journal entry was, I'm going to give this one more year. I'm going to give it till I'm 21. And then I'm done. And her 21st birthday was July 28th of this year. And her journal entry was just simply, I'm here. Oh my God. And in during the course of this year, her 21st year, she was treated at this clinic because of money that was raised in Al's name. The stories just go on and on, like people who are living their earthly lives because that's what they're supposed to do because Al helped them do it. I will also point out to you that in the book, there's a picture that you posted of Al, and I'm trying to, re- you'll remember, <laughs> I know that, where it had July 28th on the actual photo. What, yes. was, what was that? That was the related photo. So October of 2018, when I was on this airplane and just having a moment, and I looked out the window and the whole sky was a rainbow and I took a photo of it. And then somehow my phone, like magically as a related photo, pulled up a photo that was taken of Elle when she was nine years old with two thumbs up. Yes. Yes. I'm here. Two thumbs I'm up. here. Two thumbs I'm up. I'm here. I'm healthy. July 28th of 2010. You need to send that to that girl. It's amazing. That's an incredible story. And then the human rights campaign, you know, she's a huge, huge, huge advocate for the LGBTQ community. And through some friends, they invited us to come out September 7th of 2018, about, you know, six weeks after Elle had passed. And they had a whole day honoring her. So I know she keeps doing her work. Something else that connects us that I just realized when we were all together recently was that there's this photo and I don't know why it came up, but Lisa and I were talking about it and you said, we'll bring the picture up. And it's this photo of Lisa and I with what looks like a halo connecting our foreheads. And it just always cracked me up. What is that? It's definitely a reflection of something, but it looks very spiritual. And so we pulled the picture up and we realized that it was July 22nd of 2018, which is the day that Elle passed away. And when I think we all just sat there pretty stunned, but yet not surprised. (laughs) Well, and what was interesting is you were describing the picture as you were describing the photo. And I said, find the photo. I want to know what date it was taken. Just had this sense that it would have been her passing or her birthday, that it would have been something. And sure enough, you found it and it was July 20th. I mean, I have the chill. I mean, think of all days, right? all days, just like when you were just talking about July 28th of all days. It's another synchronistic sign. Yes. Yes. All of us connecting with Elle. Like every time we're together, something happens. I mean, every time we've ever had a dinner or gotten together, something weird has happened every single time. 
every single time. That just validates always our connection. I think what we hope is in the telling of the after and the living of the after with Elle. It's this idea of a relationship. It's not over. And it's not just the past. Right. It really is a dialogue for the future. And Lisa, I know you really do talk about this all the time. It's recognizing the signs for yourself. For every person, they're different. Right. And it's not making something work. I think that's important too. We're, these are, we're talking about things that come out of the blue and you know. But I think it's also being open to receiving and you give yourself an opportunity to actually see the things around you. I'm getting this very intense message. Mel wants to help anybody who's watching. So if you are curious about signs and curious about this real true connection that can be made, talk to Elle. She is going to give you the signs. So I feel like if you want to play with her and if you want to really have her show up and show you that she's here, ask her. She will. Ask her to show you a rainbow. Ask her to show you a raven. Ask her to show you that dime. I promise you're going to get it. So stay open, like Amy said. And I am just getting pushed to say this, that Elle is an advocate on the other side for being a connector for the living and the deceased. User, talk to her. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. She will show you. She will work with you. I'm certain of it. And then when anybody who is watching this or listening does get those signs, please, please share with us. Yes. If you should receive any signs from Elle, please send them to Robin at C seekingwithrobin.com or post them on Instagram or on Facebook and tag Seeking with Robin. We will share them. And that's the perfect way to end this episode with Elle having the last word. I'm coming through to you so strongly. I love Exactly. I mean, thank you, Lisa. And thank you, Elle. Thank you, Vanessa. And thank you, Amy. I love you guys. And I know that we have so much more to do with each other in this lifetime and beyond. Thank you for being your incredible souls. I love you. Love you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Robin. Hey!